Hey there, this is D. Yvonne Vivers, your host for Birth Moms Real Talk, a podcast where you will hear the journeys of birth mothers who have placed children in adoption and also have some emotional and tough conversations, or you may say hot topics about adoption. Listen in. Good afternoon. My name is D. Yvonne Rivers. I'm your host for Birth Moms Real Talk, a platform and podcast where birth moms will share their journey, their story, and we talk about some hot topics that the other parts of the adoption community just may not touch. I like to say I'm sometimes called it the hot potato. So I'm so excited to have a reunion with my a friend I met two years ago. So since the, before the corona, but we've got Amy on today. So I'm going to open it up for her to share her journey. Then we're going to come and end up with a topic. I didn't ask her what it was, but we'll get mm. to that then at the end of that. So Amy, tell me a little about yourself, your story growing up, as well as prior to you becoming that birth mom. Sure. Well, Thank you for having me, first Mm -hmm. of all. So a little about myself. You can't tell my story about being a birth mom without starting with the fact that I was adopted. And so being an adoptee, that lifelong journey started, of course, day one. And that's where everything sort of originates. And I was adopted in 65 and it was a closed adoption. And my adoptive parents divorced when I was four years old. Then each remarried and had two biological children on both sides. So one had two of my brothers and the other side had a brother and sister. And I went to live with my mom, my adoptive mom. And, but I did go back and forth like any child of a divorce, back and forth during holidays and things like that. And my mom remarried and her second husband, they had, I think it was over 50 foster children in and out of our home while I was growing up. So that happened before my mom got pregnant when I was nine and they were ready to adopt one of the foster children that we had, a little boy named Emery. And I've thought about him over the years because I mm-hmm. thought Emery was going to be my brother mm-hmm. and ended up my mom got pregnant with my sister. Okay. And so they did not go through with the adoption. So I was the only adopted child. And then we stopped having foster kids and okay. just they had two children. So as the adoptee that was quite a bit older than brother and sister and and the two brothers on the other side, I was a performer. I've always been a singer, songwriter, was very active at school and sort of the overachiever, overperformer. And off in college kind of got also into that world and just trying to take as many classes as I could every semester and trying to just really, I think, try to earn my spot. Mm. I was going to ask you if I can pause for a moment. Yeah, sure. That you were saying for as an acting and whatever, was that your personality by being, not not just because you were an adoptee, but just coming out to be able to earn your spot 
or yeah. earn your recognition or get sure. the applause. Yes, absolutely. Okay. All those things. Okay. 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 Also, my personality. I met my birth mother when I was 24 years old, and she placed me because she had the wanted to be on Broadway someday and okay. was an actor, singer. And so I did come by it honestly. In the blood, in the blood. Yeah, for <laughs> sure, for sure. But I also know that I had a lot of drive that came from wanting to just not go by, not rest is what I want to say. I wanted to work it out and mm-hmm. And be noticed and accepted and seen and all those things. Yeah. Right, right. So did so, you did were you in drama in high school and college? Oh yeah. Or? All of it. Okay. Did did musical theater okay. uh, at one point as a profession. And also did a lot of other, I've been a student most of my life. So I was in school for a very long time and have really enjoyed learning on every level. And I I don't think at the beginning, I'm an adoptee and I'm a birth mother, but I'm also a therapist Mm -hmm. and I'm a mental health counselor in the state of Washington. And I have an adoption trauma focus to the work that I do. And so it's lifelong learning mm-hmm. on every side. So I, I always enjoyed learning, but I also was very driven by the academic side, having performing in that way. Had to make good grades, had to be the best at whatever I tried. Just the the things we see a lot with the good adoptee, and I'm using those little air quotes. Yeah, yeah, I know. I see that. Yeah. You're not a good adoptee unless you follow what is expected of you. Absolutely. And perform me, perform me with that. Be compliant. Yes, yes. Don't don't create a problem. Uh Take care of everybody around you. Be a people pleaser. I was the good adoptee to the T. Okay. Now, you know, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because it's making me think now, and I want you to go into your birth mom story mm-hmm. uh, about maybe people have a perception of a good birth mom. Let me just, yeah. I'll just put it out there. My name is Yvonne, but I, I go by Phoebe, which is the name of my group. And people have told me that when I go by Phoebe, I'm disruptive, which simply mm. means I am not a good birth mom, which simply <laughs> means <laughs> I am not your compliant birth mom. You're the I, rebellious I, one. I am, I am the one who will say what you don't expect me to say. I'm the mm-hmm. one who will do what you don't expect me to do. That's why this podcast, that's why this podcast, Birth Moms Real Talk. I'm talking to mm. real talk. I will not hide things. I will talk to the elephant in the room. I will <laughs> not walk on eggshells. And I will say what I need to say and not be wary of how you may accept it. Get your therapy, I say. get get your therapy because i've got minds that continually get mine so we're like that's self-healing with that so i had to say that when you say good adoptee well i'm Uh, that that not expected birth mom i'm different i am different yes indeed but tell me your story of birth mother well being the good adoptee Mm -hmm. when i found out i was pregnant at 23 that was not in the good adoptee script Mm -hmm. at all And I had pretty much, I'd been through a year, I was out of college uh, by that point, uh, had been through a year of trying to 
make it on my own is how I want to say it. Just and feeling like I had failed in some ways. Mm -hmm. I wasn't out there doing exactly what I wanted to do, but I was doing what I needed to do to pay the bills. Mm -hmm. And and we'll probably come back to it because when you address the elephant in the room, how I got pregnant is a story in and of itself, and as it is for a lot of birth mothers. But it I was in a pretty deep depression at that time in my life. So getting the finding out that I was pregnant was just sort of the push me over the edge, either to step into the abyss of the trauma from my history or find motivation in that. And I do say that my son was the vehicle to my healing to to get me to really face some things in my life and in my past. But it sure was a rocky time at first. And I did tell my parents pretty early on and they were on the surface supportive. They could not have handled me telling them any better, but I in some ways wish that they had been more honest in the way that they responded because it sort of set me up to think I had support that I really did not have. So you were led to believe or you felt that there was support there where maybe it wasn't as much as you expected? It wasn't nearly what I thought I was getting. Okay. Let me ask, did you Mm -hmm. think they knew how to give the support? Were they really... I don't know. This was in 1989. Mm -hmm. And I don't think, again, we have to kind of go back to the fact that my adoption really colored even my parents' response. Because my mom was a mom of the 50s. and, And I was born in the 60s. You know, she was really about what the neighbors think. Mm -hmm. And my parents were really involved in the church. So that is another piece of the backdrop. Mm -hmm. Even though I was pregnant in late 80s and things had shifted from the way they were, it still was very prevalent because we grew up in a religious environment. And so the shame and stigma around unplanned pregnancy was still very strong, just like it was when my birth mother was pregnant. Mm-hmm. So my parents, they said all, like I said, said all the right words, but I think when, when push came to shove, as far as what's going to happen, my dad also said the wrong words. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, yeah. or both of them did. And it became the part of, you're going to do the right thing, just like your mother did. So there Ooh. wasn't So was room. reference back to your birth mom? Is that what that statement oh, yeah. meant? Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Absolutely. You will make the right decision. And my parents, you know, like I said, I was the good adoptee. I was very compliant and my parents had quite a power over me. And I believe that's from adoption. I also believe Mm -hmm. it's from the way that they raised me, Mm -hmm. that it was, you know, my parents, my dad ruled the roost Mm -hmm. and there was no going against them. So I felt like I made the decision. There's the words that go around of coercion and Mm -hmm. pressure and all the things. And at the time, I would say as an adoptee, that was my fallback. I'm adopted, so I will do the same thing my birth mother did. I will give my child a mother and a 
And in my case, I Mm -hmm. chose a family that already had adopted a child. And I thought that was pretty cool that I was going to get to give him a brother, you know, because I grew up with much younger siblings, foster kids, and so really kind of an only child for a long time. So I was thrilled he would have a brother. Let me ask you this, Amy. Do you feel as if because you'd had the adoption experience, Adoption definitely was a a consideration more so if you had not been adopted. Like I said, I'm sure that my birth mother story starts with the fact that I'm adopted. We can't tease it out. We can't know how my brain would have been shaped without being an adoptee. Having worked with many birth mothers over the years now, I always do the what if, like we all do, you know, what if we had raised our child? What if we'd had more support? What Mm -hmm. if we, what if I wasn't adopted? You know, all all the what ifs. I can't, it's hard to answer that. I I worked with a 13 year old one time who's adopted and I, she just, she's talking, teenage talking. And Mm -hmm. she was like, well, you know, if I got pregnant, I would definitely (laughs) place my child. And it just, I remember feeling like in some way her saying that validated how I must have felt as a teenager. Right. That of course, that's what you do. Uh Uh-huh. That's what you know. Yeah. That's That's what what you know. Mm -hmm. That's what you know. And at that point, even though there were a lot of really crummy things going on in my uh, adoptive home, I still lived under this feeling that my that adoption was magical and beautiful and I was special and chosen and all those things and that my birth mother was a hero for what she did. And so I had this narrative already that was very firmly intact. Right, right. So it was an easy default. Well, at that age you were, you said it was 23. You were adopted. Did, was it any any inkling for you to find your birth mom before Ooh, what you a became? Great question. Yeah. The social worker that helped me with the placement for my son, mm-hmm. I went to the d- same adoption agency that my birth mother had used, mm-hmm. and she was able to access my records. So while I was pregnant, she went and found my birth mother while I was in the hospital. After my son was born, I had some pretty severe complications with the birth. And so I ended up having to be in the hospital for an extended period of time. And Mm -hmm. during those days, my social worker found my birth mother and came to the hospital and told me that she'd found her. Oh my goodness. Yes. What an awesome time. You've got these generations or cross sections at the same time. Wow. What was the first feeling you had when you, you heard the news? At the very set first t- time that you were giving birth to your son, uh-huh. you're finding your birth mom. Right. Well, I think there was, at that point, I was still sort of in the euphoric okay. time of, I still get to hold my baby. So I wasn't, grief and loss wasn't even a part of the picture for me right then. So I have my son and I had my birth mother Uh, at the same time. So I think at that point, despite the physical stuff I was going through, I think I was just on top of the world. So you You had not made a decision to place at that time is what I'm hearing. I had made a decision, but I had 
four days with him okay. in the hospital. Okay. So I, everybody else around me, mm-hmm. my, my mom was there. My dad refused to come, but my mother was there and some very, very dear friends were there and they all were in the grieving process already. And I felt actually like I spent a lot of time attending to their grief because mm-hmm. I'd been doing a lot of grief work over the months, or at least I thought right. some adequate right. grief at that point. But but I was still, you know, on cloud nine. I'd had this gorgeous little boy. Yeah. He was almost 10 pounds, so he looked like a toddler when he came out. <laughs> you know, he was all filled out and beautiful. Uh-huh. And yeah. I was having that new mom, you know, just... uh love in love with this beautiful child. And then to find out that my birth mother who had been through this experience herself, Mm -hmm. that I now was going to have some kind of contact with her. I was, I was on top of the world. So, so when they, when your social worker told you that found your birth mom, you, she did, you did know that she wanted to see you. Yes. My social worker had sort of fudged and said that well, I mean, she lied, flat out lied to my birth mother's <laughs> parents. What it is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They were still in the same location. So she just called up the parents and told them that she was a friend from college and um, was trying to find her. And she said, my grandparents were very sort of suspicious and didn't want to connect them, but they did. And so the social worker had talked to my birth mother at that point who did not know I was in the hospital giving birth, okay. did not know I was making an adoption okay. decision, but was open to meeting me, which happened a month later. So she lived in Kansas at the time. I was in Texas. She drove down mm-hmm. and came to see me. And I was thrilled mm-hmm. to be able to basically talk to her about all of her experience as a right. birth mother. You know, what I'm imagining now of she being able to share with you what you just went through. Right. Wow. Wow. She did, of course, but she was so broken mm. when we met. She cried all the time. Mm. And it was obvious that she had had no help in working through her grief and loss. Right. She'd gone on to have four sons. So I have four half brothers by her, but, but she lost the daughter, the one daughter. And I realized while she was there that I did not want to say, I didn't want to cause her more grief. Okay. You found your daughter, but by the way, you, you've just lost your first grandchild. So I did not tell her. And so we had, but of course she told me her whole experience as birth mother and, and we've been through it, but I only told her a couple of years ago. Really? And I'm a birth mother too. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. wow. And we've had sort of a on again, off again, okay, rocky ish relationship okay. over the years, okay. but, okay. but we've been in, been in reunion since I was 24. Now, what's the situation with your son? So my son, I am, and it's amazing. And see how, just stop right there. Listeners, if you're listening in, you notice how her her voice, Amy's Amy's voice went into song. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 
I could I sing it. his song. I yes. love it. Yes. And he could sing with me because okay. he is a singer, musician, songwriter, of course. That DNA. Here we go. That third generation. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's a beautiful young man. He yeah. so six about six years ago, my now husband, he and I were engaged, and we flew to Texas to to introduce him to the side of my family that lives in Texas. And mm-hmm. we flew into the city where my son lives. And I've had ongoing relationship with his parents over the years, but okay. he has not been interested in having any contact with me. And so six years ago, when I went back in, I reached out to his mom, you know, I'd love to see you guys. It's only been 20 whatever years <laughs> would love to see you and would love to see my son if he's open to it. And right. up until the very last minute, he was on the fence. And okay. so we had a reunion mm-hmm. and I, I'm air quoting again because yeah. we had an open adoption mm-hmm. and you would think there aren't reunions when right. you have an open adoption, yeah. but, but are. in openness and adoption, mm-hmm. all sides have to be willing yes. and interested. Mm-hmm. So it was really a reunion. And I went or I met with his parents, his brother and his brother's wife, him, myself and my at the time fiance. Okay. And it was a gorgeous four hours together uh-huh. and shared pictures and laughs. I mean, they are. When we say being an adoptee, that's a big part of my story. Mm -hmm. Um, He and I have a lot of common ground there. And because I am a Texas girl from the beginning, even though I'm a Seattleite now, Uh I grew up in Texas and he grew up in Texas. Did he know your story that you were an adoptee? He did. Okay. Okay. Yeah. He's known that. He's known I've been in reunion with both sides, my birth father's side too. Okay. But he just wasn't ready. Right. right. And that happens so much. He just was not ready to introduce all the complicated parts of Mm -hmm. having birth mom in his life. Mm -hmm. So we had this beautiful time and his mom asked me at the end, you know, would you like some time alone? And we sort of both answered over each other. He was kind of like, oh, I don't know if we need that. And I was like, yes, yes, please. Just a few minutes. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah. And so he did give that to me. And he told me that he felt like he wanted me to know how great his family was. And he felt like I had made the right decision, which a lot of adoptees feel compelled to assure birth parents that they're they're okay. And that what they did was okay. Yep. And at one point while he was talking, I realized, or I felt like he was about to say, this was awesome. Glad I met you. Have a nice life. And he must've seen it on my face because I think I started panicking. And he said, now, don't get me wrong. I know I'm going to come see you in Seattle someday and everything's going to be fine. I don't know what he said after that, 
It was like, blah, 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 blah. That's all you needed it to didn't know. Matter. It didn't He could have said he ate crocodiles for, right. for lunch. I didn't right. care. Yeah. I was just like, okay. Yeah. I'm okay. going to see him okay. again. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But it took two more years. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would not respond to contact at that time. I went back to Texas and um, had another full family gathering. I think he needed the support of his family. He needed, you know, that loyalty yeah. piece yeah. is very strong for adoptees and he needed his parents to know that he wasn't not going to leave them just because yep. my heritage or legacy exactly. or whatever has come back. That exactly. Reassurance, giving that reassurance. Totally. Mm-hmm. So another, had a, another beautiful meeting. I got really sad after that one because I thought, wow, that's all our reunion's going to be is every couple of years we're going to have dinner together and I'm going to feel this beautiful closeness and then I'm going to lose him all over again every time because my best friend went with me the second time. She's a therapist in Texas, brilliant friend, and we walked out of the restaurant together and his family turned one way. And she and I turned the other way and I just felt Mm. exactly what I felt when I, after I was in the hospital, after we, I had a. And not to put words in your mouth, but you just described the scenery of saying, I left without my baby. Yes. I left without my baby. And even though he's grown now, but I just, I left. Exactly. And she turned to me and she said, so you're going to reenact every time you see him, you're going to reenact losing him all over again. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yep, that's what mm-hmm. just happened because I have a very very strong memory from being in the hospital. Of course, I I feel like I remember everything mm-hmm. from the, those moments very strongly from kissing him on the side of his nose to everything cuz he was the first bio relative I ever met. Right. Exactly. And exactly. Uh, I'll also tell you we look just alike too. Yeah. And that, that's, that's crazy. the surreal. I think that a lot of, cause I, I, see, I, yes. I have that same thing. When I look at him, I see me. Yes. And it's like, uh, okay. You know what I mean? Really? That's how you're dealing with that. Yeah. I always say I didn't realize, even realize I had freckles until yeah. I knew my son. <laughs> well, you know, that's when you look at, because I'm looking at, when I look, I have a picture of him, he and I, and I look at that picture. And it's strange you say that because I just shared with that, that I can see some birthmarks on him that are mine. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That, that's the, when I say, I say the word crazy, but it's not crazy, but it's like, wow. I, I use wow. It's like a wow it thing. It is crazy. It's like a wow thing. Yes. Absolutely. And, and your, your friend therapist or not is, is so true. Yeah. I see that. And I don't know about you, about our children's birthdays. I'm back in the hospital. Yeah. I'm back in the hospital. You know, my son's birthday is coming up soon. This is September. So is mine. What date? October 11th. Okay. September 28th. Yeah. October 11th. And I go back to that day. I go back to the day. I call his birthday, my mother's day. I celebrate Mother's Day on his birthday because that's when I became a mom. Right. Yeah. That's when I became a mom. So that's just the reality of recognizing. And and of course, you know, as a therapist, and I say, our our body keeps the score. I know you don't know that book. Absolutely. Our body reacts whether our mind is there or not. 
and it's paying yes. attention to our body, our mind, giving ourselves the self-care and all of that we need. That's how we can process and, and become our best you. That's what I say. Become yes. our best you. Because not only for our, our children, but ourselves. For sure. That's how, that's how we can proceed on. That's for sure. how we can proceed on. So tell well, me for is is so now is it still for is what maybe randomly you're meet so COVID there? even though it's been tragic and difficult it was somehow the thing that spurred him on I think probably just being home alone right. <laughs> all those yeah. hours being lonely probably <laughs> yeah because he's he's gregarious he and our our personalities are very very similar yeah. he's very outgoing and uh, runs his own business and. Uh-huh. And so with COVID, he was stuck home a lot. And right. all of a sudden, he was open to Zoom calls. And we now have very regular contact and Zoom calls and have gotten to know each other really well over the last year and a half. And, and it just feels really solid and yeah. beautiful. Yeah. And it's a I, process. It's growing. It's yes, growing. It's about growing a relationship. Sure. Just like any other relationship, you have to right? grow it. You can't expect it because I, I'll say a lot of times I don't have any other children, but I would say to other moms, well, you know, if you're looking for your birth child to contact you so frequently, what about the ones you raise? How frequently do they contact? <laughs> right, I mean, right. really, the reality of that, the reality. Well, that. contact, that's the the big thing I talk to a lot of adult adoptees and birth parents about mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. we sort of have those expectations yes. that we we thought they would just slide right into our lives mm-hmm. or, and that might not have been at all what their expectation was. Mm-hmm. And that's a complicated part because people get their feelings really hurt. Yes. Yes. And I call, I, I say hurt, frustration or whatever word you yes. want to use is because of unmet expectations. Yes, absolutely. And whether it's your expectation, whether it's expectation of somebody else, but if it's unmet, And this is what I tell myself. I think about, okay, maybe I didn't get what I wanted when I wanted, but what's the potential of process? Because it was, my son was 45 when we met. Mm. All 45 of those years, I just knew we'd meet somehow, someplace, had no clue Mm -hmm. when, Mm -hmm. how, or whatever, but understood also it's a process. And I, I like to say I was impatiently waiting for 45 years. <laughs> not patiently, because it was not patient, right. but yes. impatiently, because back in that day of finding, it wasn't an internet. I mean, it was just so different. Yeah. And so I think that's what the situation is too, with a lot of things of when you do get the connection, what it will be. We don't know until we meet. Yeah. We don't know. We don't know. And we just work through whatever that may be. It's exactly. A, whatever it is. So you being a therapist, let me just say, how are Mm -hmm. you dealing and giving yourself the tools of healing separate aside from educational, because see, this is your heart, your child, children are your heart, maybe in the head, your therapist, your PhD or whatever else, but in your heart, how are you healing? Well, I would say Mm self-care. That's the buzzword these days, but with COVID, there's been a level of self-care I've had to up. And all the strategies that we had before the pandemic weren't necessarily going to work in these new times. And I, from day one, I went overnight from seeing clients in person and having monthly groups for birth mothers and adoptees overnight 
to Zoom, you know, right. so being Absolutely. 12 hours a day yeah. staring at a screen and how to, yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't walk after the first week because my chair <laughs> wasn't good enough. Right. I had to go out and buy a Mac Daddy chair. Right. You know, you get a cushion behind you Absolutely. and a rest and all that. Yeah. All the stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so I've just had to find new strategies for how I care for myself. Mm-hmm. I also am very much an advocate for being connected to other birth mothers, mm-hmm. that this is not a journey we can go through yeah, alone. Absolutely. And, and I'm that, I feel the, the same way about adoptees, mm-hmm. that nobody else knows what their road is like right. except another adoptee. And uh-huh. it's different than yeah. anybody who was raised by their biological kin. Yeah. So being connected to those people. So I have my clients, but I also have my own support group Mm -hmm. of people that are birth mothers and adoptees that are not at all included in the work that I do Mm -hmm. because I need to have some separate support. Yes, yes, absolutely. As you said, to lean on and we lean on each other. The theme of the actual theme statement, I see a mission statement with Birth Moms Real Talk is we are in this together. Yes, we are in this together and through us helping each other. And as you said, different perspectives. I listen to podcasts by adoptees. Damon Mm -hmm. Davis, who's an adoptee who does a podcast, Who Am I Really? I reached out to him. He was the one who was very instrumental in me, helping me start. He was the one who interviewed me for me to tell my story. And so I get that perspective from adoptees. And I also have other adoptive moms who I'm sort of a soundy board from. Mm -hmm. And it really Mm -hmm. takes everyone with that. Because that way you get a perspective. Because otherwise we get to think, okay, I know how I see it as if that's the only way. But that's not the only way. And it has helped me with changing my parameter or paradigm by looking at, okay, I know what I may expect from my son, but what is he thinking? What is he going through? How does he receive what I may say? And allowing him to really think in terms of how it affects him, not about how I want it to affect him. That's the difference with that. Yeah. And having that true understanding with that. So we also yeah. cover a hot topic. So pick Uh-oh. a topic, any topic, you know, you're, <laughs> what's a hot topic? We've, we've talked about, or maybe, I don't know, it was you, I did another podcast before you, Walking with Eggshells, some of the episode titles, that that elephant in the room, who's going to mm-hmm. talk to the elephant in the room? Not because mm-hmm. the elephant is in a lot of rooms, but who's talking to it? <laughs> do, do you have to invite Phoebe in for that? Or she may just come out. <laughs> <laughs> She just may come out because she's all in this week. I told you I'm in my parameter or this period of time. The roller coaster is going really fast and I'm (laughs) holding on sometimes white knuckles, but it will not throw me off. (laughs) And even if it do, I'm going to jump right back on it. And that that really is. Reunion is hard, but I have joy. I have joy. I know where my son is. He's, he's an awesome blessing, wonderful, and all of that. And so we're going to work on this together. It is not easy. I'm not lying to anybody. Yeah. And not, I'm not the one to paint the rosy picture when it's really reality we have to deal with. Yeah. It's really reality. So pick a topic. And, hot topic. Okay. So that you just gave a beautiful segue into the topic I want to choose. Okay. And the painting the rosy picture. So okay. I would like to choose the topic of secrecy mm. in adoption. 
Yes, yes, And I have a little agenda behind (laughs) that because at the Cub Retreat, Mm -hmm. the Concerned United Birth Parents Retreat that's coming up October 22nd, I am co-facilitating a talk on secrecy and adoption. Mm -hmm. We've called it the Adoption Closet, Mm -hmm. and I get to lead that with Fran Levin, who's an amazing birth mom. Fran's episode was overcoming unbearable pain. Yes, that was her title of her episode. She mm-hmm. needs to go back to, and listen to her. I will do yeah. that right after we hang up, yeah. probably. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Love her so dearly. And she and I are talking about secrets and adoption mm-hmm. and, and in families. And even I've said a couple of times already today, I didn't tell my birth mother that I was a birth mother. Mm-hmm. I didn't tell her for 20-something years, 30 right. years probably. Right. and. There's so much stigma and shame around adoption and adoption stories. And I've been reading some crazy accounts of The Secret Daughter. I don't know if you've read that uh, by June Cross. Mm -hmm. Blew my mind. Mm -hmm. And so they're just the insidiousness of secrets. Talk to me more about, I don't want you to, to figure out, the why, because it varies with different people. Mm-hmm. Secrets itself, and you mentioned shame. And yes. I, I'm a proponent, or I'll just say I'll go on the line, that those secrets and families is not just about adoption. You got oh, no. addiction and incest and all yes. different things. And it's like, why? And and this may sound very simplistic, and I've grown over the years, and I have a different personality myself. Yeah, the Phoebe is coming out. <laughs> <laughs> Regarding that, it's like, the truth, you never forget the truth, but a secret and a lie, you got to keep up with who you told what. Sure. So it's like, talk about the secrets and maybe what secrets do, if you do have that secrecy. Mm-hmm. And well, you how, mentioned, how talk, go ahead. Go mm-hmm. ahead. Well, you mentioned the book, The Body Keeps the Score. Mm-hmm. And that is probably one of the best answers to that question. Mm-hmm. What What do secrets do? Mm-hmm. They live in your body. Yeah. And you talked about how it takes, you know, it takes a lot of energy to yes. keep a secret. Yes. It takes a lot of a forethought. You've got to keep up with. Who, who I told what? what? It's like, yeah. who knows what? It's like, does he know? Does he not know? Exactly. <laughs> it's exhausting. Man, can you imagine if we all just lived truthfully, how much energy we would save? No worry in the world because it's right. nothing that people can find out. Because right. I, I really align secrets with the whispers. Oh, the yeah. people are whispering. It's like, why are you whispering? It's, it's if you don't want somebody to hear. It's like, okay, why is it wrong for somebody, for everybody to hear? Mm. Yeah. So talk more. Go ahead. Well, I think secrets, they make us sick. And as I've been doing a lot of research on what how the body keeps the score and how our bodies take the the sickness on. Mm-hmm. We could be healthy. We're so concerned with what people think about us. Yeah. And yeah. one thing that comes with age and you could, it's like every year, every birthday is uh-huh. one less year that I care about what other people think uh-huh. anymore. Uh-huh. And it's like, could I just fast forward 20 years right. and not care right. at all? I'm there. I'm there. <laughs> Good. I'm there. I am. Awesome. I am there. I am really there. Phoebe doesn't care. Doesn't care. And, <laughs> will, and will tell you that and not yeah. keep it secret. So you don't have to wonder what she's thinking. 
You don't have to wonder whether that, that she thinks or care. No, but I love you from afar. And I use that word love you from afar mm. because those who have been, I don't say have injured me or whatever, or they just, I'll use a term or two, they just were not capable. I recognize mm-hmm. that was a situation in my family. They just couldn't give me what I needed, but that didn't yeah. dissuade the fact I still needed it, but I didn't yeah. get it. So yeah. I was able to just, they did the best they can. So that was my forgiveness to move on. And mm. and, and that's how I have such a peace in, in, in life. And in the world, I'm not being concerned, not being afraid to say anything. I'm unapologetically truthful to the fact of everything. Hmm. And by doing that, it's like opening myself because I'm making myself vulnerable. Like, this is it. You get the real thing here. Sure. This is it. This is it. Like Brene Brown talks so much about vulnerability. And a lot of that comes from we've kept secrets Mm -hmm. so that we don't have to be vulnerable, Mm -hmm. so that we do not have to expose ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I I was thinking as you were talking about how you have such a freedom now of being able to talk openly, Mm -hmm. I was thinking back to you mentioned uh, the many areas that there can be secret. It's not just an adoption. It's certainly in many other things. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of abuse going on in my adoptive home. Mm -hmm. And so there were secrets on top of secrets. Mm -hmm. So uh, even my being adopted came as a secret for a lot of people. And during that day too, you know, they tried to match children with families so that people didn't know they were adopted because we don't want to talk about infertility because that's painful and shameful and scary. And so I think I grew up in a very, a climate of secrecy. Mm -hmm. So when I talked about, you know, we have to get to an age where we don't care anymore. I think part of it is that we have to sort of overcome the indoctrination we may have had. Yeah. And because you can use the word indoctrination, I use the word, I use dysfunction. I I say Mm -hmm. I broke out of dysfunction when I was 18 years old. Mm -hmm. I didn't have that word. I didn't have those words then. I didn't have those words. I couldn't describe and say, this is dysfunctional and I need to leave. I just knew something wasn't right. (laughs) And it's like, and it's got to be something else. And so me in seeking and searching in my own self revelation and self healing and all of that is recognizing unless I'm able to take off the mask Mm -hmm. and really face whatever it is, it will be okay. Not to say it's not going to be hard, not to say I will not go through hurt and pain, but on the other side is such a freedom Mm -hmm. that if you knew it was on the other side, and I'll say this, I said this earlier today, is that sometimes we have to go through a little bit more pain than where we are right now to get to the other side. Because whatever comes to us, we can get through it. And sometimes it might be a lot more pain. Yes. Yes. But it's just, it's really not saving you. Mm-hmm. you're going to go through that pain right. one way or the other. Right. So right. you might as well just face it head on so it doesn't take right. take it out on your body or your relationships right? or come out as self-sabotage, mm-hmm. you know, all mm-hmm. the ways that mm-hmm. unaddressed grief mm-hmm. and loss mm-hmm. and facing yeah. your trauma. Right. And call it what it is. It is yeah. trauma. Yes. It is actually grief. Maybe that disenfranchised yes. grief, but it's right. grief. When you're talking, it made me think back to, we already talked about 
the, uh, and I use, I called it the adoption system. There were secrets in the adoption system and not yes. telling the truth about Absolutely. acknowledging that even if a child is placed from first day, there is reconciliation and a past and that DNA of that child mm-hmm. as also recognizing the truth of the adoptive family having grief because maybe they have, were not able to conceive. Also, recognizing the secrets of that child will just forget about things and not not remember the her original family because they never met them. Mm-hmm. It's in there. It's yes. in there. It's right. like, and I go back to, and I've said this to my son. It's a very, it was very emotionally impactful. I said, you were with me for nine months and 12 days, mm-hmm. and those will never go away. That's when we had our birth, mo- birth bond that will mm-hmm. never, ever be broken. And that's truth. Yeah. That is true. That is true. So Tell any last uh, summary thoughts, Amy? But This has been wonderful. And mm-hmm. you went where no one else has gone before. You know, is it Star Trek? Is that what it is? <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I say. I say, we go where others do not dare to <laughs> go. <laughs> and we go there boldly. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I mean, obviously, I knew this when I met you. We could talk for another six hours and go to all the other places. Right, right. Yeah. Right. But I think you just said something really important, and it's, and it's to tell the truth. And mm-hmm. the truth sometimes isn't pretty, and it's mm-hmm. many times certainly not. But right. telling the truth about our own adoption mm-hmm. experiences as birth mothers, as adoptees, as adoptive families, right. as right. spouses, mm-hmm. as siblings. I mean, mm-hmm. we are all impacted by adoption yes. and we've all been impacted by secrets mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we need to tell the truth and we right. need to share our stories. And thank yeah. you for giving us a platform to do that. Absolutely. Uh, so I see now possible title, tell the truth, secrets keep you sick. Mm-hmm. which is so true. Yeah. So true. Thank you so much, Amy. Oh, Thank my pleasure. you so much. So, so good. Amy, uh, what's your, how can people contact you? Um, I love emails. Amy at adoption savvy.com. Okay. So A M Y at adoption savvy, S A V V Y.com. I'm on Facebook at adoption savvy is my little room there. And I also, well, that's probably the best ways okay. I've, I've done little dabbling into Twitter and I'm not savvy <laughs> at those. So if you want to be savvy, you're uh-huh. savvy. exactly. I'll let somebody else do the tech stuff. Wonderful. <laughs> Thank you so much, Amy. Thank My name you. is Dee Yvonne Rivers. I'm your host for Birth Moms Real Talk, where we give a platform to birth moms to share their journey their stories and how it's affect them. And we cover a hot topic. As you know, it's been hot up in here today. So tune in, follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter, as well as tune into our podcast each and every week on all the available platforms from Apple, Spotify, as well as our own website, birthmomsrealtalk.com. Join our community village where we have closed sessions and topics and chats and bomb mom buddies and we have a journal because you got a journal get those get whatever's in your head down to paper and you can really give that healing and empowerment we will see you next time 
thanks so much for listening into Birth Moms Real Talk, where birth mothers share their journeys and we have an open and honest conversation about adoption. If you would like to share your story or you have any comments, you can reach us at birthmomsrealtalk.com or email us at Yvonne at birthmomsrealtalk.com. If you like what you heard, we would appreciate your support on Patreon as a supporter. Find out more on our website. Tune in next time. See you then.